Thanks for joining us on the Theotech Podcast. My name is Chris, and I'm joined today with Pastor Royce Yen. He's the founder of Marketplace Church in Bellevue, Washington, and also an entrepreneur with the Daybreaker organization. Uh, Royce, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, uh, <clears throat> I guess doing a little bit of everything. Yeah. Uh, prior to, so I've been doing kind of church, uh, local church ministry now for, wow, going on eight, eight, nine years. Eight years, um, okay. Yeah. So, prior to that, um, out of college, graduated from UW, uh, worked in uh, kind of the high tech space um, <clears throat> on the business side of things. Cool. So, uh, background in <clears throat> business, ma- management, sales, marketing, a uh, little bit of everything. I worked at two different uh, high-tech startups, so kind of mm-hmm. when you're, as you know, when you're in a kind of startup mode, you're doing a little bit of everything, <laughs> you do everything. Um, which, uh, which was a great experience and uh, enjoyed it. Uh, but about four and a half years into the second startup that I was at, um, that's kind of when I started a sense the call to, to actually explore and pursue mm. uh, pastoral ministry, uh, which kind of came out of a left field for me. Mm. <clears throat> and so uh, kind of one thing led to the next. And um, a year later, after kind of sensing that initial kind of prompting and calling and uh, having multiple conversations and discerning and praying and uh, talking with, uh, with my wife, <clears throat> decided to make the jump, left that uh, second startup that I was at. And I actually came on uh, staff as an intern mm. <clears throat> at the church that I was at at the time, which was at Lighthouse Christian Church. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> did internship there for uh, two years, uh, then came on staff there as a resident pastor uh, overseeing young, young adult ministry mm. uh, and outreach and evangelism. Uh, did that <clears throat> for another two years uh, before launching out to start uh, Marketplace Church. So. Um, in a nutshell, that's kind of how the journey evolved for me in terms of mm. uh, the church and the church plant. Uh, we're about four year, five years in now. Okay. Um, kind of all the while, have just always enjoyed doing different types of things. Uh, and so I think even during that journey and that process of transitioning um, from working in high-tech startups to, to local church kind of context and ministry, um, was involved in, in just a lot of different side projects. And so... Um, one of those side projects, um, well, DJing has always kind of been one of the things that I've been doing actually back in, in college, even when I was in high tech, um, I was, you know, doing my DJ, DJ thing and is. throwing parties <laughs> and uh, even how that came about <clears throat> was definitely, um, uh, an interesting kind of backstory, um, where like I was never kind of musically inclined, hmm. um, learn how to play the drums though. Uh, after my senior year in high school. Uh, and so I think that's where I started to, okay. to kind of get interested in music and started playing drums for my church. And so um, in college, um, I was listening to all this kind of Christian hip hop uh-huh. and uh, loving it. And I realized like no, none of my friends were listening to it. And I was like, no, no one's <laughs> listening to like this good stuff. And yeah. um, so as a result of that, and, and at the time, uh, that's when a lot of my friends were uh, kind of going to parties, right? Mm-hmm. And going to clubs. and. They're now, you know, at age, right, where you can go to the underage 18 and over clubs. And um, that's kind of where I had this this idea of why not start a, um, a Christian nightclub where I can actually play this music. Okay, guys, did you hear uh, that? He wanted to start a Christian nightclub. I yeah. love this. This is interesting. <laughs> so um, I hit up a, a couple of my buddies uh, who I knew were DJs at the time. Mm-hmm. 
and I was like, hey, do you guys like, can you guys play some Christian music? And they're like, well, we don't, we don't listen to this stuff, you know? So I was like, how are we going to throw like a Christian party and without a DJ? And okay. So actually that's how I learned how to DJ. Oh. Uh, I basically self-taught myself how to DJ, learn from some friends. And uh, that was kind of uh, my kind of entryway, entry point uh, into, in, into playing music huh. for parties. Uh, was actually playing Christian music. And so we started throwing these, uh, these parties. On Friday nights, I had a friend that actually owned a restaurant slash nightclub okay. in uh, kind of the downtown Seattle International District area. And so uh, it was called Club Virtue. Club Virtue. Club right. Virtue. So Still around? Throwing, not around anymore. Oh, okay. Not around. Lasted for a short season, um, <laughs> but started, you know, throwing these these Christian parties, and uh, people would come out from uh, all different churches, and people not even who are part of churches would come out, and it was this awesome thing. And so, um, so, so always kind of that's kind of how I actually started DJing, Interesting. Um, and uh, that resulted in. Uh, friends uh, eventually as as I kind of got older and a lot of my friends were getting older um, started asking me to DJ their weddings and uh, so that's kind of how the DJ business evolved and mm. so um, so all along kind of I had this this side little side hustle with the DJ business um, and uh, and then about uh, what maybe three years ago um, I was really kind of asking the question as I was now pastoring this church yeah uh, <clears throat> in downtown Bellevue uh, which is called Marketplace Church, right? And a lot of the, I think the impetus and, and the, the motivation behind that uh, uh, came out of uh, really asking the questions of how do we integrate kind of our faith and, and our work yeah. and our passions and our hobbies. Um, and I think for me, uh, you know, during my five, five six years of, of working in high-tech startups, I didn't really have those answers. Mm. Um, and I think especially as I was working with the young adult ministry, uh, at the church, uh, at the church that I was currently serving at at the time, um, a lot of my peers were asking those questions, and I realized I didn't have those answers. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when we started Marketplace Church, a lot of kind of the heart behind that was how do we help young people, young professionals, um, people that are just graduating college, think about kind of how their faith can intersect with their work. And so uh, obviously as we kind of, uh, as we started out on that journey, um, I was in a constant kind of learning process. Uh, so I started asking those questions for myself, mm-hmm. um, and uh, that's really kind of how, uh, as I'm pastoring this church, kind of how this whole daybreaker thing kind of happened. Okay. Uh, you know, having this experience, uh, throwing parties and DJing yeah. and loving music and uh, and and dancing. Yeah. And creating community at the end of the day, and it's space for people to to kind of experience and have these uh, these unique experiences. Um, I started to ask that question for myself. What what is is there something more other than just playing music mm. um, and throwing parties? Like, is there a way that I can even think about how God might actually want to utilize that um, to be a redemptive presence? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and so that's where uh, I had actually stumbled across. Um, I, actually, I, it wasn't even stumbling across it. My uh, co-pastor, uh, Pastor Sam, mm-hmm. um, I think it was after one of our leadership team meetings, uh, he was like, hey, have you heard about um, these morning like raves, these morning <laughs> dance parties? I was like, what? Who dances in the morning? That's crazy. That's ridiculous. Who yeah. would do that? Um, he's like, I, j- I literally just watched a documentary on it. Hmm. And at the time, he had known, we're a couple years into our church plant, <clears throat> and he had known that I've been kind of wrestling with mm-hmm. um, kind of how do I see greater integration yeah. uh, with my passion for music and DJing uh, and, and my faith. <clears throat> and um, so he kind of threw that at me, and sure enough, I go home, and I 
look it up. I, I'm like morning dance parties, right? Morning rays. And uh, all of a sudden I see all these articles and these video clips of people in London and UK and <clears throat> New York on the East Coast dancing in the morning. I was like, this is, this is crazy, right? And um, started to really think through it. And I was like, man, in a lot of ways, um, I felt like one, it was bringing me full circle to kind of my college days when I was throwing these Christian dance parties. Mm-hmm. Um, but really thinking about um, how music uh, and how kind of creating these spaces where um, we can actually create an environment where uh, people can express themselves, mm-hmm. um, where people can listen to music, uh, where people can dance, uh, but to create an environment where uh, so much of kind of how you do that and how we experience that is in a typical kind of nightlife, you know, nightclub, mm-hmm. nightlife scene, um, at a rave, right, at, yeah. at a music festival. And while those things are, uh, I think there's a lot of great things about them, obviously there's a lot of baggage that comes along with it. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and um, the misogyny, right, in, in nightclubs and objectifying women and mm-hmm. <clears throat> catcalling. And, you know, it's interesting now with all that's kind of happening with the whole Me Too movement, right, and, yeah. uh, and how people, um, you know, treat women. And I think so much mm-hmm. of that, you see that obviously in, in a club setting, yep. um, at least certainly the ones that I was going to and the ones that I was free frequenting mm-hmm. at the time um, obviously the alcohol and the drugs yep. and uh, there'd be moments where I'd be at a nightclub with friends and um, I just I wouldn't be drinking um, mm-hmm. but I'd just be having a good time you know yeah. on a dance floor jumping up and down and enjoying music and and I would always think to myself man like there's actually something actually really good about this mm-hmm. but yet realizing the environment in which I'm in mm-hmm. is not necessarily always the healthiest of things mm-hmm. um, and so then this idea then of taking kind of all the, the positive, healthy elements mm-hmm. of music and dancing and community uh, and doing that with people, uh, but stripping out all kind of the bad stuff. Uh, that was really the thing that was inspiring and captivating about what was happening with, uh, mm-hmm. with these morning dance parties, where these are completely sober yeah. experiences, uh, no drugs, no alcohol, yep. uh, and the, the kind of the, the environment uh, and, and the, the objective Mm-hmm. Uh, of that experience uh, is is really to create a space where people can self-express uh, mm-hmm. through music and through dance uh, in a positive way. I see. And so <clears throat> after kind of stumbling across that, um, talking with my brother uh, who's passionate about music and yeah. fitness as well, we were like, man, what a cool way to like kind of integrate our passions mm-hmm. together. Um, so that's kind of how that started. We started throwing these morning dance parties. We realized no one was doing them out here in Seattle. Yeah. <clears throat> we knew eventually at some point it would get to Seattle. Yep. So we kind of saw that as an opportunity mm-hmm. uh, to kind of jump on it early and mm-hmm. say, hey, what, what would it look like for us to actually be uh, kind of the ones that could help start, kind of kickstart that here in our city. Uh, and so we started an organization called The Wake, mm-hmm. um, which is essentially... Uh, kind of modeling what was happening in, in these other cities yeah. <laughs> with some of these larger organizations that were doing them. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of what we did. That's really, and that's an amazing example of redemptive entrepreneurship. And mm-hmm. like, I love how it was so concrete and real, of like, you know, combining your passions, right. combining <clears throat> the elements, the discernment of like, what is actually of God's kingdom in some sense in a nightclub scene. Right. And how do we replicate that in a way that would be holy, I guess you could say. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, you know, what an amazing example. And, how do you feel like God kind of prepared you even to have that sense of calling, that discernment, so that you didn't get swept up in the nightclub scene with all the baggage part, mm-hmm. but could actually discern that and like kind of draw out those things mm-hmm. that were, you know, reflecting of God's kingdom? Like, yeah. What do you do in your life? Yeah. Um, 
That's a good question. Uh, you know, I think having kind of the origins, I think of me, uh, of even my DJing mm-hmm. kind of background mm-hmm. stem uh, and originate from the fact that uh, the only reason I learned how to DJ in the first place uh, was to play Christian hip hop, <laughs> you know. Yeah, so, so I think it was an interesting progression for me uh, because, in some ways, I only learned how to do it uh, because of kind of this particular conviction calling, mm-hmm. right? Um, and and eventually, it, it evolved over time, mm-hmm. where although I kind of started by throwing Christian parties and playing Christian music only, mm-hmm. uh, it soon quickly evolved to just playing whatever, right, yeah. and anything, yeah. and secular music, and. Um, so part of me, like at times, I think throughout that journey, um, I would, I, I would have to kind of wrestle with that. Mm. Um, certainly as I became a pastor, mm-hmm. uh, where I would still be throwing parties mm-hmm. or the night before I'd be DJing a wedding mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, we're playing a little John on the dance floor, you know? <laughs> and so I think there are definitely moments of time where I, I felt like there was some conflict, okay. uh, yeah. where it's like, okay, well, I, I recognize that that I think music is a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. And I think God created music, mm-hmm. God created art, uh, he created dance. Um, obviously I think that's, that's what sin does, sin twists and, yeah. and uh, disfigures what God intended. Yeah. Um, where you know dancing can take on different shapes and forms where it actually becomes uh, something that's, uh, that could be negative, right? Mm-hmm. Or hurtful, um, or music, right? Can yeah. be created or, or done in a way that um, would send messages that are perhaps not the most positive, yeah. right? <clears throat> and um, so I think I certainly wrestled with that uh, as a DJ, yeah, um, and as a, a person of faith, yeah, uh, who really does believe that God wants to redeem all these things. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and so I think having been wrestling with that over the years, um, but knowing that <clears throat> the only reason why I was DJing in the first place. Uh, was because of the impact that these Christian hip hop artists had on my life I see. at a very uh, at an age and a time in my life where um, where I was easily influenced right by the culture around me. Mm. Um, so I think recognizing that there were these artists who were in a lot of ways thinking about how do we redeem hip hop, mm-hmm. right? Uh, where over time, uh, hip hop <clears throat> and the content of what people were rapping about. Uh, and singing about changed, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think the fact that uh, in a lot of ways I was listening to these people that I admired and looked up to who were, who were saying, no, how do we actually think, how do we think about redeeming yeah. uh, hip-hop? <clears throat> I think in some ways that kind of influenced how I thought about kind of my craft as a DJ mm-hmm. and as an artist. And so, um, so while I think it took different shapes and forms over time, yeah. um, I think a lot of that kind of backstory, I think, helped me stay grounded and rooted. Yeah. Uh, and so I think by the time we, you know, fast forward 10 years, right? 10, 15 years. Now we're throwing these morning dance parties. These aren't Christian parties. Yep. <clears throat> um, and the audiences and the intended audience is, is completely different. Yeah. Right. Uh, when I started these Christian night, when I started these Christian parties back in college, uh, it was for Christians mm. uh, to say, hey, can we create a, a more positive space for Christians so that we didn't have to feel guilty about going to the club? I see. You know? Yeah. Um, Very practical. Exactly. Right. <laughs> uh, but now it's different because that's not my target audience. Um, I mean, we uh, we have people from our church that come to mm-hmm. it. And mm-hmm. I absolutely like I think it's awesome that I think uh, to create spaces for Christians to come in yeah. uh, to dance and to listen to music in a way that they don't necessarily have to feel like bad about it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, but uh, but I think the redemptive factor, I think, is the 
thing that's been most exciting about this mm. uh, because that's the thing that I think has the integration of my faith and, and music is I think it's express the expression of it yeah I think the the basis and the motivation behind it has always been the same it's the same yeah. um, but the expression of it is a little bit different because uh, now I think that the heart behind it is um, while we're not preaching Jesus, mm. uh, and certainly even as we made the decision uh, nine months, ten months into doing the wake, uh, to actually become part of the Daybreaker community, which is a, a global community. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're in 23 different cities, 300,000 community members who are doing these morning dance parties all over the world. Uh, part of what I realized when my brother and I were out in New York, yeah. you know, sitting down and meeting uh, the founders of uh, Daybreaker, yeah. uh, was that while they weren't of the faith, yeah. there was so much similarity and alignment in terms of what we saw I see. and what we wanted to do with mm-hmm. this experience. Uh, that in some ways they, uh, in what they were creating, uh, was I think, uh, while they might not necessarily identify mm-hmm. or attach the why to what they were doing, yeah. um, they, were, they, they were wanting the same things, right? They were wanting to redeem kind of this, this space of music and dance mm. uh, and to create these healthy environments. Uh, and so for us, like it was interesting as believers yeah. to see kind of the ways in which those two things were intersecting. Um, and so now for us, it's, uh, you know, while we, we were not, uh, you know, outrightly saying these are Christian parties, yeah, yeah. Uh, everything about it is, is Christian to me in terms mm-hmm. of why we do it. Uh, and I think that's part of, um, our mission, right. Mm-hmm. Of like, how do we, how do we redeem culture? Um, and how do we work towards the common good, right? And, mm-hmm. uh, and I think it, for me, it was a very much, it was a change in a mindset mm. for me to understand that I can actually create something that's redemptive, but not outrightly Christian. Mm. Um, that in some ways, what we're doing is we're creating a space for people that don't know God yet mm-hmm. to get a, a little glimpse and a taste of like, wow, like I can actually dance sober, Mm. Like I can dance and like be f- free to f- express myself with no judgment and no shame mm-hmm. without having any drugs in me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think those are like, that's what we kind of get excited about mm-hmm. uh, that people are experiencing, I think, glimpses uh, of the kingdom mm-hmm. uh, of, of God redeeming these things. Um, and uh, yes, yeah, so I don't, I don't that's know if that great, answers your question. I think that's a great um, segue to talk about also Marketplace Church mm-hmm. because you have this common good platform, I guess, where you can create foretastes mm-hmm. of the kingdom that you invite anybody to, right. Christian or not. Um, and then how does that tie into the more explicit expressions of faith mm-hmm. in Marketplace? And you know, what's that yeah. dynamic like between these two things? Yeah, no, for sure. Um, I mean, I think that the church uh, and Marketplace Church becomes a platform uh, in which um, I can certainly communicate those things, right, mm-hmm. in a very intentional way. Um, and I think um, it's, it's still something that I think I'm, I'm working on in terms of um, how kind of those two platforms that I have kind yeah. of intersect. Yeah. Um, I think they, they naturally intersect for me from a, just a sense of personal calling, mm-hmm. right, in, in terms of what God has called me to in this particular season uh, of my vocation. Um, but, uh, but I do think, uh, there are definitely opportunities, uh, to, uh, to kind of bring those two things together. Mm. Uh, and certainly at least to, to be able to speak about why I do what I do outside of marketplace church, yeah, yeah. Uh, to hopefully encourage those in our church. Yeah. Um, cause I think oftentimes in the church, 
uh, we, a couple years ago, we actually did a series uh, that we called Workflow, which was a series on kind of faith and work integration mm-hmm. specifically. Um, but I think one of the challenges in the church is when we, when we tend to think about um, kind of doing God's work. Um, there's, there's been this disconnect, I think, with how uh, being faithful to God and our convictions as, a, as followers of Jesus can actually play itself out yeah. in our nine to fives, right? Yeah. In our work, in our jobs. Um, I kind of likened it to, um, and, and so uh, I think, uh, at least for me and my experience, uh, like I think the church hasn't been super helpful, right? Mm-hmm. In terms of helping people think about that. Uh, and what we tend to communicate, whether um, overtly or not, uh, we tend to communicate that there's almost like this hierarchy mm-hmm. of like living for Jesus, right? So like, as a pastor, that's kind of like, that's when you're like fully living for Jesus, Mm -hmm. right? Because you've given like your entire life Mm -hmm. uh, or when you're a missionary, right? You you go and serve, you know, somewhere overseas. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of the things that we talk about at Marketplace Church is, and part of the reason why we call it Marketplace Church uh, is this idea that we're all called to be missionaries, um, just in in different contexts. That every single one of us is a missionary. uh, And uh, most of us are mission field. Uh, is where we spend our, our time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and much of our time that we spend living and existing and breathing is actually uh, at work. Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, there's a study, uh, the average person works 100,000 hours in their lifetime. Mm. It's crazy. The only thing you do more than work uh, is uh, watch television, <laughs> which is, they, I think they say at 140,000 hours. Wow, entertainment. And okay. sleeping at 150,000 hours. Right. So the top three things that we spend as human beings, we spend our time doing, is sleeping, watching TV, and working, right? Um, and I think that's this crazy disconnect. That's weird. Of yeah. like, okay, we, so we spend 100,000 hours of our living, breathing moments working, yeah. but most of us, <clears throat> I think there's a, a Gallup poll survey done back mm-hmm. in 2013. They said 73% of American employees either hate their jobs or they're mm-hmm. disengaged yep. with their work. Yep. Um, so that's just how people feel about their work. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on top of that, then when you show up in church, and we tell you, well, if you're going to faithfully follow Jesus, um, like keep doing your job, mm-hmm. keep working. I know it sucks, but you know, it's, it's so you can make some money so that you can actually tie it to the church and yeah. support the church. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then every other additional hour that you have, like serve in this ministry, yeah. right? Get on the worship team, lead a Bible study, mm-hmm. go to this and go to that. Uh, and, and that's kind of what we inadvertently, I think, communicate to people in the church yeah. <clears throat> is, <clears throat> excuse me, um, your work is kind of the like a means to an end, the necessary evil, yep. so to speak. And we're actually we're not really helping people <clears throat> think um, more. Um, I don't know, thoughtfully, about intentionally their about their work. Yeah, right? I've I've felt that too in some of the churches that I've grown up in and been part of, where it's like it's just very inward focused. Mm-hmm. The church is about the church community. Mm-hmm. It's trying to like, you know, your work is just a way that you make money, like you said, and you give to the church, you volunteer right. at the church, and it's trying to create a lifestyle for you to do everything at church, which is supposedly Christian, right? but actually not biblical. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when it says go into all the world, make disciples of all yeah, nations yeah. Yeah. as you're going, right? Yeah. Uh, but it's, it's so difficult to uh, break out of that. Yeah. It feels like, you know, I bet like when, when you were doing the Christian nightclub idea, right. I don't know what kind of support you got from your church community, but right. uh, you know, it's kind of this weird fringe thing probably that's like, okay, I guess if it's Christian, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas I could, I could see a different kind of way where it's not even just like, maybe I get my stamp of approval, but they're actually actively 
supporting that, saying, hey, what are the things that God has gifted you in? Yeah. What is it that God's made you passionate about stuff? And what's redemptive? What's of the kingdom in that? Mm-hmm. How could you create more things like that? Let's right. back you to push it out and, and see that happen. Totally. It would be amazing to, to grow up in a context uh, where that, you know, that existed. Yeah. And when I read the scriptures, it feels like this is actually what Paul was talking about right. for, for the church. Yeah. Um, it should be what we, you know, it should be the norm, not the exception. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So Royce, maybe you can tell us a little bit more about what Marketplace Church is doing and trying to do to help um, your members to experience that kind of faith work integration, to give them that kind of support to express their gifts and calling in the marketplace. Gotcha. Um, Honestly, I think we're we're still learning. Yeah. Uh, We're still navigating that. I think it's tricky. Um, I think initially, uh, you know, we obviously set out with uh, some very deliberate kind of intentional things that we wanted to do. Uh, to kind of bridge that gap for people. Um, I think when, when you, you realize there's so many other things that go into just being a church and starting mm-hmm. a church. And so I think sometimes it's easy to uh, to get kind of caught up in all the other things that just have to happen. I see. In order just to, to be a sustainable church. Yeah. Um, so I think we're, we're constantly kind of wrestling with that. Um, you know, I think a, a couple things that we did right out of the gate that I think we wanted to obviously address that was the name Marketplace Church. Okay. Um, to kind of, in some ways, to identify that this is kind of what we're about. Then um, we define marketplace uh, not just this idea. I know oftentimes a marketplace is, is used to define like specifically the workplace. Okay. Um, but for us, especially as we were getting ready to plant in downtown Bellevue. Uh, we really saw downtown Bellevue as a marketplace of sorts, mm-hmm. uh, where it's not just the exchange of, of goods and services, but the exchange of ideas and mm-hmm. the exchange of culture and art. Uh, and so much of what's happening in kind of these areas, these uh, downtown Bellevue, I think, is kind of becoming this um, up-and-coming kind of urban core of the east side. Yes, it is. Um, you know, historically, it's just been the suburbs, right? And yeah. it's been, uh, um, you know, pretty homogenous, but we're just seeing with, you know, everything that's happening in mm-hmm. kind of the downtown Bellevue core, um, you know, obviously you got these high tech companies uh, and larger corporations that are now headquartered now in downtown Bellevue. Uh, this booming, uh, you know, restaurant, hotel, service, hospitality mm-hmm. industry. Um, you're seeing this just this interesting kind of hodgepodge and melting pot of different kinds of people uh, entering into the space and uh, and not just working here, but living here and playing here and coming to eat here and uh, yeah. and doing nightlife here, right? So you you just have this interesting intersection, and so that's kind of how we've started to loosely define marketplace as like, this is just where life happens. Yeah. Uh, and this is where people are spending their time, right? Mm-hmm. So people are living in these multi, like we're in one right now, we're on the 15th floor of Soma Towers, yep. uh, which is a, a multi-use high rise. Yep. Um, so people live here, uh, then they go downstairs and get their coffee. Yep. Uh, then they go to the gym next door uh, <laughs> and then they go to work down the street. Wow. And th- they're spent, th- this it's is where they spend their time, right? <laughs> so it's the whole live, work, play yep. idea. Uh, and that's kind of what we wanted. We wanted to communicate that as a value of our church. I see. Um, how, how are you doing life and living out faith wherever you're at, mm. wherever God has positioned you? Um, and uh, so, so yeah, so I think th- that was kind of just one of the components of, like, let's call ourselves Marketplace yep. uh, to kind of define that intersection. And then how do we live out our faith intentionally where, in whatever sphere that we're in, yep. um, in our work, in our play, right, yep. uh, in how we live. Um, you know, the other thing that uh, was uh, kind of part of that, uh, I guess, intentionality behind Marketplace Church and helping connect the dots for people, or hopefully moving people towards that, uh, was we wanted uh, all of our kind of pastoral staff 
uh, to be bivocational. Mm. Um, really felt like it was going to be important if we're going to kind of challenge people in our church yeah. uh, to think about living out their faith in their workplace mm-hmm. uh, or in the other places that they hang out. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it would be it, it was important for us then as pastors and leaders of the church to say, well, how are we wrestling with those mm-hmm. dynamics? Um, I think it was interesting for me making that shift uh, from working uh, kind of in the corporate world, mm-hmm. uh, then going into full-time vocational uh, local church kind of ministry. Uh, it was easy two to three years in to kind of already forget some of the challenges and the struggles that people go through on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. Um, so here I am trying to like encourage and challenge like my peers, my, these other young adults, um, and not realizing it's hard, right? Yeah. And so that was kind of one of the things I think I've always been fortunate because I've always kind of had one foot in and one foot out, right? Whether it's running my DJ business or these other side projects. So um, that was kind of the other kind of core conviction is we wanted um, people who were kind of leading and teaching Mm -hmm. uh, to be able to have that experience. Um, So myself, obviously, you know, running my own DJ event production company, um, the morning dance parties. Yep. Uh, Pastor Sam, who's my co-pastor, professor of psychology. uh, previously at Seattle University, uh, now currently at UNLV down mm. in Vegas. Mm. Um, and that was kind of our heart and our conviction uh, was if we're not living it out ourselves, yeah. uh, if we're not thinking about how to be a redemptive president in our workplaces and what are the challenges of being a Christian mm-hmm. uh, in these kind of other environments, mm-hmm. uh, how can we help people in our church do that? Um, so I think that was kind of the second piece. Um, third piece was around business, actually, mm. uh, thinking about business um, <clears throat> as ministry. Um, that's one of the things that we actually haven't really kind of fully tapped into yet or it hasn't necessarily materialized for us. Yeah. Um, so part of the vision when we started Marketplace Church uh, was actually think about doing church in a place like downtown Bellevue. Um, but how can we not just do church in downtown Bellevue, but actually add value mm. uh, to the community that we're in? Uh, so the initial concept uh, was actually to start a business and a church at the same time. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, we, we kind of had um, uh, I, I, moments where we thought it would happen. Yeah. Uh, we soon quickly realized how challenging yep. it is, one, to start a church. Yep. And then two, how to start a business. Yeah, at the same time. Uh, what do they say? Well, 80% of church plants fail in the first five years. And I think statistically it's similar for businesses. Yep. So like, wow, we're trying to actually start both at the same time, where you have an 80% chance of failure in the first five years. So, um, and when some of our initial leads, we're actually hoping to start a co-working space in downtown Bellevue. Oh, okay. uh, So this is before we work. This is before yeah. there were actually any other co-working spaces in downtown Bellevue. Huh. Uh, we thought that would be a really cool way to, one, create value for the community, um, and then also create a space where we leverage. Um, so we've never wanted to actually own our own church building. Mm. Um, so the thought would we would create this space that would be used for the community mm-hmm. uh, Monday through Saturday, mm-hmm. uh, and then we get to leverage it for Sundays for Sunday I worship. Like the idea. Yeah. Um, and uh, obviously, people in our church who are entrepreneurs, telecommuters, they can use it and mm-hmm. utilize it, um, but as well as to have it available for for the greater anyway, community. Yeah. Um, so that was kind of the initial concept. Um, we realized that it'd probably make sense. Let's just do one thing at a time. Yeah. Um, so let's start the community first. So mm. I think the business, I think it's there. Uh, I think we're at a point now where it's like, do we actually really need to start a business ourselves I see. as a church? Um, or I know we were actually having this conversation uh, at the, the last Made to Flourish gathering that we had yeah. where um, I was kind of inspired by the speaker that we had where um, out at Tim Keller's church, right at Redeemer, yeah. they started a, a program uh, which was actually helping 
kind of entrepreneurs like incubate their ideas, right? Yep. And, uh, so I think, you know, we're thinking about a lot of different things. Like maybe we actually don't necessarily have to start our own business as marketplace church person. Uh-huh. Uh, but how do we create environments and spaces where we can kind of mobilize people and yeah, think, think about their creative ideas and their passions yep. um, and how to actually maybe kind of resource them yep. or get behind them in some of their endeavors. Um, so yeah, so whether or not we actually start a business, um, I think that's up in the air. Mm-hmm. Um, but those are some of the things, you know, that we, we did kind of out of the gate. Um, one of the things that we do that is a little bit different um, is we don't actually gather corporately for Sunday worship um, every fourth Sunday. Yeah. Um, and actually when we started the church, one of the things that we wanted to, to really kind of drive uh, home and to communicate uh, to people was this idea that church isn't confined to a building. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not confined to a two-hour kind of service on a Sunday morning. Yeah. Um, and so actually when we started the church, uh, we launched out with what we call our co-ops, uh, which are these spiritual communities that are on mission together. Okay. Uh, learning to love God, love each other, and to love their neighborhoods and communities mm-hmm. in real and tangible ways. And so um, some of that was just to cr- create in a space, an environment for people to kind of rethink and reshift how they thought about church. Okay. Uh, to say, you know, church extends far beyond the four walls of a building. Okay. Um, and so how do we think then about kind of the everyday places that we engage? Okay. Uh, whether that be our neighborhoods. Uh, or our workplaces uh, as so do you feel like then the two like I know I really like what you said about being bivocational you need yeah. the marketplace yeah. and then you talk about um, you want to start a business that didn't yeah. happen at the same time the last one is that the fourth Sunday Sabbath or the yeah. fourth Sunday like off I guess right right as a practice yeah and then the co-ops like what do you feel like makes the co-ops different than just like a regular small group yeah. I'm thinking about like pastors who might hear this and like, oh yeah, what can I do for sure for my churches to help this? If I, I may not be bivocational, but mm-hmm. I still want my congregation to feel like you know their yeah. gifts and callings in the marketplace matter. Yeah, and, and should, we want to support them in that. Yeah, totally. So these are some practices that sound like they could be practical for. Yeah, I mean, I think we're still trying to figure out how to do them well, where okay. they actually, um, where they produce kind of the results or the yeah. food, right? Yeah. That we want. I think it's so easy to kind of like put stuff down on paper and in theory, these are what they're supposed to yeah, do. Yeah, I, uh, I think it's in real life, right? Yeah. Uh, that that's where the rubber meets the road and I think sometimes things don't necessarily transpire or happen mm-hmm. uh, the way that you really want them to. Um, really, I mean, the idea of, of co-ops on the fourth Sundays, um, kind of how those two things work together. Um, I mean, what we really do feel like there is something very significant and important about gathering together corporately, um, which is why we do it. Um, at the same time, simply just by saying, hey, we're not going to gather on a fourth Sunday. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't call it fourth Sunday off because we don't, we don't want to communicate this idea that we're not doing church. I right? see. Uh, our whole idea is you're just, we're doing church everywhere, mm-hmm. anytime, any place, any, any day. Um, even you know, our Marketplace Church logo has the little, um, I don't know what you call it, the little Google thing oh. right? as a C in our church, which is the pin drop on a map, right? Uh-huh. Uh, and our little tagline is church happened here. I see. Our church happens here, right? Mm-hmm. So you're in a coffee shop. Uh, and you're having a conversation, mm. right? Or you're at work and you're doing something, like that can that can be church happening. Mm. Um, and so, part then of the idea of just having a fourth Sunday off is to communicate this idea, uh, and just to build into our natural rhythm, mm-hmm. um, to not fall into the trap of thinking that church only happens when we do this, mm-hmm. or church only looks this way. Uh, that church can have so many different expressions. How we connect with God and worship God uh, can look so many different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've just naturally built that into our rhythm. Uh, as simply a way to communicate that um, that, that there are, yeah. are, are different ways of connecting with God. There are different ways of worshiping God. Uh, there are different ways of being church and doing church. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of those ways that we express 
that is, is through our co-ops, right? And uh, I think in a lot of ways they, they look like small groups. They look yeah. like a community group. Um, the, the piece that, uh, that we really try to emphasize is um, we have three core values at our church. Um, so we kind of shorthand them by saying up, in, and out. Uh, so up is the idea of being connected to God, right? Mm-hmm. A relationship with God. Uh, in is about our relationship with one another, mm-hmm. uh, loving and caring and supporting and encouraging one another. Um, the out component uh, is uh, the piece uh, really that fits into kind of our mission, right? Of going out into our, our world, going out into our communities, going out into our neighborhoods, and uh, actually restoring uh, the, the image of God in, mm-hmm. in whatever facets and places that we find ourselves. And so those three values, are those three convictions are things that actually each of our co-ops embody mm. and build into their rhythm. Um, so how are they practicing activities uh, and spiritual disciplines where those three things are happening? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's that third piece then of thinking about even collectively as this community. It's a co-op. Yeah, how are we going out into our particular neighborhood? Mm-hmm. How are we going out in, into our particular spheres of influence? Yep. Um, and uh, and actually uh, being the hands and feet of Jesus, right? Mm. And so, um, so that's kind of the idea there is... Uh, it, kind of this whole idea of kind of holistic discipleship, right? Yeah. Um, and if we learn, if we're kind of creating a space and environment for people to do that outside of kind of the Sunday morning experience, yep. then that's just one extra step then to hopefully model uh, and embody this idea of being whole life disciples mm-hmm. in every aspect and sphere of our life. Um, and so then the goal then is hopefully we're creating disciples within those communities or then they're being empowered and envisioned to say, how do I do this then for myself individually? Mm-hmm. Um, so how am I in my own kind of sphere of influence outside of even my co-op? Am I living this value out? So how, have you seen any stories mm-hmm. of God working in those specific ways where you see like, look at this, like the co-op yeah. kind of inspired this person. Right. And this is like this thing that they've done that they would never have done. Yeah. Except that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's been, it's been really cool to see, I think, uh, different stories of different people in the church who, uh, who have kind of caught that vision mm. themselves and uh, exciting and hard, right? Because that means you actually lose some people. That's true. Um, so, you know, we actually had um, uh, a gal in our church who um, she was working at Expedia, mm-hmm. uh, living here in so much hours and um, serving it, you know, in so many different ways at a church and uh, doing a lot of her graphics mm-hmm. and, and worship team. Um, but uh, I think for her, the sense of calling, of recognizing that. Uh, that that the talents that God has given me is not just to be u- utilized just to make money, mm. right? And to kind of climb the corporate ladder. Mm. Uh, and so during her time at, at Expedia, uh, she was really wrestling with like, how does God want to use her particular expertise and passion for uh, for UX design? Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, and so she um, uh, kind of on a whim, she was started praying, and she's mm. like, I'm just gonna like go online and just like, you know, see what kind of jobs are out there and. <clears throat> she stumbles across um, Charity Water, which is based out of New York. Okay. And um, turns out that they were actually looking for a uh, UX designer. Okay. And uh, she kind of throws her hat in the ring. And uh, literally a week, two weeks later, uh, she's had, <laughs> having her final interview with the, the CEO uh-huh. of Charity Water. And uh, within a month's time, she's leaving our church and oh, flying no. out to New York. To, <laughs> uh, but that was just a, a great example. It was so encouraging, right? If a, a young person in our church who was really kind of wrestling with these things of mm-hmm. how does my faith and my work integrate mm. and how can I use my skills uh, to actually uh, be a part of God's redemptive purposes in the world. Mm. And so now she's working for this incredible nonprofit out of New York that's, uh, you know, building wells and 
bringing clean water right mm-hmm. to, to third world countries and places that don't have it. Uh, and she gets to actually put her skills and, and talents to to being a part of towards that purpose. Yeah, yeah towards that purpose. Do you feel so. like there's also stories where people have found purpose in the big corporate giant corporate ladder setting? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. No. Totally. Uh, I think it's uh, it's hard. Mm-hmm. It's hard. I think it's challenging. Uh, we have people that are, are wrestling with it. Yeah. Uh, and um, and I think there's no you know there's no real easy answers to no it, right? And there's there's I don't think there's any even clear cut kind of what that even looks like, you know, because mm-hmm. I think it can look different for different people. It's true. Um, I was just talking to a, to a young gal uh, in our church, uh, actually just this past Sunday, mm-hmm. who, um, you know, she's, uh, she's over at Amazon right now. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, but those are the questions that she's asking. She's in marketing right now. Yeah. And uh, just the fact that I think she's wrestling with it and asking those questions, I think are huge. That's true. And, uh, you know, she's reading... Uh, She's reading every uh, every good what is that every, every good endeavor every good endeavor yeah. right now and um, she's like yeah you know pray for me like uh, I'm I'm really trying to think about how um, my faith uh, and my work intersect and mm-hmm. <clears throat> I think for her one of the things that um, she she's actually applying for I don't know the details of it it's something that you apply for but essentially um, it, it's another organization um, that you can essentially be a part you're almost like a, consul- a consultant mm. uh to these different organizations that are doing social work okay and so she's able to leverage her skills mm-hmm. uh and her experience uh being someone that's working in marketing at amazon uh but then to basically for a period of time come alongside of these other organizations oh, okay. that are trying to do some social good mm. and uh, she's applying for that and so she's hoping that she'll get that but so obviously that's like she'll continue to do the work that she's doing at Amazon yeah 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 um, and do that in a way that honors and glorifies God but at the mm-hmm. same time she's kind of experimenting with hey here's kind of another avenue and channel for me to exercise my gifts and my talents mm-hmm. um, but to be a part of contributing to some of these other areas so um, I think people are you know trying to make those connections but absolutely um, I, I think, think I agree with you is that everyone discerning for themselves is already a big win yeah rather than kind of accepting it like blindly like okay this is just how it works right. I'm just going to live my life make money give to the church just do the conventional system that's been set up for me yeah i do think that um even i struggle with this because with theotech and what we do we believe like the work itself like the creating of the technology in amazon even in that corporate structure Mm -hmm. has significance but it does require discernment like kind of with the nightclub thing what is of god what is it yeah how do we infuse it with the values of the kingdom so that the people who either interact with us or experience the end product get a taste of the kingdom right that's like hard work but it's like it's really i think meaningful when Mm -hmm. you find it because then it's like kind of gives you that sense of purpose in, in the very thing that you're doing. Yeah. But I also see that need for other opportunities outside of the workplace, like this consulting right. thing, or even switching to a nonprofit or serving yeah. a church. Like there's places for that too. Yeah. So even in my head, it's still like, it's not clear. There's no like, this is the set yeah. path, but it is that wrestling. It is. You know, that the questioning and then to think through it and discern with God and yeah. the community, like what is it, what could it look like? Totally. Right. And doing it together could, yeah, I see that yeah. as a huge win. Yeah. And then recognizing there's different seasons in people's lives. It's true. Right. Uh, even think about where we are right in our particular locations. Yep. Right. Uh, we all started somewhere. Uh, and I think one of the challenges in our church is uh, we've got a lot of young folks, right? These are mm-hmm. people that are just starting out in their careers. Yeah. Um, and so they're not in, in, even in terms of like a corporate setting, right? They're not in high level management, right? Yeah. Or they're not in executive positions where, uh, I think it's a little bit easier there to really think about how do you make change, right? Mm-hmm. And how do you think about making decisions and working in ways that are redemptive, even within your company? Uh, it's a little bit more challenging when yeah. you're just trying to like 
prove yourself, you yep. know, and you're <laughs> trying to like performance review. And, and get paid so you can pay down your school debt. Right. Yeah. And so I think there's so many different challenges that a lot of our young people and these millennials are experiencing and facing mm-hmm. once they get out of college and start working in kind of corporate America. Yeah. Um, and so I think it's, it's, uh, it's it's kind of recognizing that this is a season mm-hmm. and what are kind of the seeds that we can plant um, we're at least they're thinking season, intentionally yeah. about it um, so that when the opportunities arise and the doors open for them mm-hmm. to think about uh, to have kind of maybe greater freedom uh, or uh, have more uh, upward mobility to think mm-hmm. about kind of those things um, you know quitting Amazon right and starting your own company and yeah. not everyone can do that right nope. out of the gate right um, so, but yeah, I think those are, those are the hard challenges for sure. I like that. Like the idea of seasons of time and kind of plant sowing for that season. Right. What can you do when this is new college grad yeah. who has debt and stuff is starting another job. Right. That's a, that's a really great way to look at yeah. it to see. So uh, I think we're going to wrap up real soon, but I did want to ask one question. Yeah. You've led pretty unconventional Asian American stereotypical, non-stereotypical life. Yeah. And I was curious <laughs> about, you know, how did, um, how did God free you up to take those risks early on to do startups, to do mm-hmm. DJing on the side, and also coming from a Christian home? You know, how did your parents come alongside you in that journey? Uh, I think that's just something that could be interesting for our listeners to hear about that kind of side of the story. Because, mm. you know, some people may have these desires and ideas they want to try, but it's, it's scary. Yeah. Or they may not feel like they have the support of their family or, right. you know, whatever else. So what, what happened in your case? Yeah, I mean, I think there's so many different facets to that. Yeah. And, um, I know we don't have that much time. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I would say kind of the big things. Um, I, think, I think my upbringing, I was very blessed and fortunate mm-hmm. to kind of be brought up in a very unconven- unconventional, yeah. I think, home. Yeah. Uh, kind of not your stereotypical uh, kind of Asian, mm-hmm. Asian home, Asian-American home. Uh, my dad uh, immigrated here from, from Hong Kong. Mm. Um, my mom was uh, born and raised here. Um, but I think uh, because both of them had such kind of untraditional mm-hmm. um, experiences, even in terms of kind of the things and how they got to where they were at. Yeah. Um, you know, my mom, she uh, she went to a community college and, and that was kind of it. Oh, okay. Um, that was kind of the, the most she did. And uh, my dad dropped out of school in, when he was in sixth grade in Hong Kong mm. uh, to become a jeweler. Wow. And uh, move here uh, to pursue his dreams and yeah. uh, to start his own business out here. And so I think uh, because both my parents were kind of unconventional in their own ways, yeah. Um, I, I think they didn't, uh, they didn't apply a lot of the, the pressures, right? Interesting. Or the stereotypical pressure. Exactly. Yeah. Of like, you know, this is, this is kind of your trajectory and mm-hmm. they lay it out for you. Right. And, and these are the grades you need to get and here's mm-hmm. the schools that you need to go to. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think some of it was, um, at the same time, I certainly felt some of those pressures, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly being around peers yeah. who were pursuing certain these these things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, so I, I think I was I was just really blessed with parents that didn't really push me, uh, and they allowed me to kind of do different things and to explore. And mm-hmm. um, I think one of those breakthrough moments, I think it, it was a, a little bit more clear from kind of my mom's side. I yeah. think there's a, kind of this unspoken pressure, I think, from my dad, mm-hmm. at least from a sense of like. The, the obligato- obligatory kind of taking over the family business. Okay. I think that was always there. Yeah. Uh, and I wrestled with that throughout college, uh, throughout my early years of college. I see. And uh, I remember after actually going down to, to, to California for two weeks to take this jewelry design class, huh. um, <clears throat> coming back up and not really succeeding in it mm. and not really feeling passionate about it. And I remember uh, this was kind of one of those like, defining moment conversations with you know your parents and I was fortunate to have with my dad in college where uh, I remember 
uh, breaking down crying, mm. right? Because I, I felt like there's this pressure mm-hmm. to like uh, to kind of step into his footsteps, right? Yeah. And take over the family business. I just never felt like I was really good enough or equipped to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so here I am, like crying in front of my dad, and I was like, I feel like I'm never gonna like you know like um, live up to live it. up to your expectations. I don't think I can do it. And, uh, and and he said these profound words to me, and he was like. I don't need you to do this, you know? And uh, he was like, I want you to do whatever makes you happy. Mm. Uh, and just hearing those words come from my, my father, right? Saying, I'm not forcing you to do this. If you don't want to do it, you don't have to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, I want you to do whatever you, you want to do that, that makes you happy. Mm-hmm. I think it was super liberating for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that allowed me to experiment and to do these different things. And they've always been super supportive of kind of whatever endeavors I, I've wanted to kind of get myself into. So I would say fam- family, parents yeah. uh, was kind of a huge part of it. And um, and I think just naturally, I think God just kind of wired me this yeah. way, yeah. you know? Like I just, I was never the type that kind of just did the, like the, That's went down the normal uh-huh. route, you know? Yeah, like yeah. it was always like, do, pushing the envelope a little bit, mm-hmm. doing different things, and uh, I think those are the things that um, that I think get me excited, and so I think it just kind of naturally lent itself uh, as I was given permission then to do those mm-hmm. things uh, to, to to keep kind of forging down those paths. That's great. So thanks so much, Royce. Yeah, uh, everyone. Thanks for joining us on the Theotech Podcast. Uh, if you'd like to get more episodes, subscribe to our YouTube channel here. Or if you'd like to support us in sharing these stories about what God is doing in and through the tech industry, uh, in the marketplace, you can support us on Patreon here. All right. Until next time. See ya.